Good morning. Welcome to everybody who's with us live at one of our three campuses or joining us online or maybe later on podcast. My name's Taylor. I'm one of the teaching ministers. I'm excited to continue a series called Highs and Lows in the Songbook of the Bible. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 100. Psalm 100 is where we're going to be. Today, man, I've been encouraged uh, even in um, our worship services this weekend to hear about some of the things happening uh, in our church this, this last week with uh, students going on both domestic and international uh, mission trips and different, th- different ways that God's uh, moving and at work. I also was super encouraged by uh, the start of our series last week. When we started, we kind of established that we are emotional beings, whether we like it or not. That means we're going to spend a lifetime dealing with how we're feeling. But as people of faith, we believe God made us that way intentionally, that God made us that way so that emotions wouldn't have to be just an obstacle to our relationship with God, but actually the means by which we connect with God. It's a little bit like, um, is anybody familiar with the Spartan races or a Tough Mudder? Has, has anybody, anybody done one of those or heard of that? Show, I need some participation real quick. Help me out. Has anybody seen these, heard about these? Okay, if, if you're not familiar, um, these are races where uh, the point is not just the race. It's actually that they set up like a true obstacle course. There's, there's walls to scale. There's mud pits to have to get through. Some of the more extreme versions have, you know, like they've got pyrotechnics with fire and they've got shock wires. They got all kinds of crazy stuff. You got to sign like a million waivers that basically say they can kill you so that you can do it. And then they actually charge you money to do this. Hundreds of dollars, which might sound like an intelligence test. But the thing is, it is, it's, uh, this is a craze. This is, this is a huge thing that people do all around the world. And, and what we have to understand with these kind of things is that The point is not just that you make it to the finish line. And the point isn't that you just get to the flat parts so you can run. You pay, you invest, you get excited because the point is actually some of the obstacles. That's what you're signed up for. In the life that God has given us, the highs and lows, our emotional journey with God isn't just so we can get to some kind of flat, neutral place, but actually through the highs and lows, God meets us in ways we would never meet him if we were just in that flat place. That's part of what God does in and through how he's made us. And in the Psalms, we see these ups and downs. And today, today we're going to be looking a little bit more at the highs. Writer Anne Lamott says there's basically only three prayers when you boil all the different prayers down. Help, thanks, and wow. But that's it. Today, we're going we're gonna to focus a little bit more on thanks and wow. Next week, we will uh, dip down into the lows and wrestle more with that cry for help. Now, every week, we have people coming into our church or joining us online who have uh, different hard things that they're walking through, different seasons that they are in. And so you might be walking in today or listening to this message and go, man, you know, for for what I'm going through, for what my week or year or life feels like right now, a message in the highs and the good vibes in the psalm is really not what I need. And first, I want want you to hear, uh, I'm sorry for whatever you are going through right now. And while this may not feel like the message that you want today because of what you're going through, I sincerely believe that God has put 
these expressions of worship in his word that it might be a deposit in every single one of us no matter what season you're going through. So I believe that there's something good for you wherever you are right now. And as we're about to read this psalm, I got a couple confessions. The first is, I need your help today. At all of our campuses, I need your help. It will not do for us to have a sermon on joy or thanksgiving or, or worship to the Lord and for, for us to kind of be like, you know, just sitting here, okay? Like, we are not gonna do that. Well, we're, we're filled with the joy of the Lord today as we read. We are not gonna do that, okay? I need your help. Thank, thank you, thank you. Some of you are already ready. You're ready, yes. That's what we need. As I, need I need your help because I would, my prayer has been that this sermon would actually be a communal expression of praise to God in how, in how we walk through even a topic that's like, man, God is worthy to be praised. I'm getting ahead of myself. We're gonna get there. Second thing, as we get in, I actually want us as an act of worship to read Psalm 100 together. And the thing that you need to know is that from the very first word, Psalm 100 says we're supposed to get loud. So I need you to hear that. And I, yeah, somebody's already ready. I appreciate that, okay? We need to kind of stretch it out for a second because we cannot read this on uh, sitting down, okay? I, I, need you, I need you back on your feet. Yes, this man is ready. Here we go. I need you on your feet at all campuses. We, we're we're going to read this as an act of praise to God. And I want to remind you, your pastor is not asking you to get loud. God's word, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is inviting the people of God to get loud as we worship him through reading this psalm. Here we go. Shout with joy to the Lord. All the earth, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with Go into his courts with Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is his unfailing love continues and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Lift up some praise to God right now. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all can have a seat. Oh, there we go. That's how we get started as we're going to talk about joy and peace and thanksgiving. I'm giving away the outline. Here we go. We're going to walk through Psalm 100 because even as a little five-verse psalm, it gives us a snapshot of what I'm going to call the mountain range of some of the highs in the psalms. You hear people talk about mountaintop moments in life. And I believe that in the Psalms, we see these mountaintop moments of worship. So as, as we go on this journey through the mountain range of, of highs of what we express in God's presence, we're going to start with the mountaintop called joyful. That's where the Psalm begins, focusing on a joy that would be expressed to the Lord, that, that worshiping God will fill us with a joy that we give back to the God who gave it to us in the first place. Psalm 100 we just read it begins, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Now, if you, you hear those sentences, 
Those are not spiritual suggestions. That is a divine command and invitation and exhortation for the people of God to come with joy. Now, this is all throughout the songbook of God's people, okay? This isn't just Psalm 100. Throughout the Psalms, over and over and over again, there is an invitation for God's people to rejoice, to bring God joy in our praise, to sing joyfully to the Lord. And, and I think part of it is that I, I believe what God wants, not only does he want shouts of joy, but God wants our expression to be aligned with our professed affection. He wants our expression to be aligned with our professed affection of him. Here's another way to say it. If, if you're in church, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face, okay? Because I grew up, and, and so some, some of you, here's what happens. We walk in either with a preconceived idea of what church is supposed to be. And maybe church is supposed to be a little more, a little more buttoned up. Church is supposed to be like, you're supposed to, shh, you're supposed to be quiet in church. Church is supposed to be, get out of the aisles. You're supposed to just, just don't distract anybody else. And so either we walk in with a preconceived notion of what church is supposed to be, or, man, let's get real. For those who grew up in church, we grew up with something that was basically discipled into us, what we caught from the culture we grew up in. Now, for me, I grew up in a heritage that absolutely loved the profession of God's word the preaching of God's word, the teaching of God's word, and loved declaring our devotion and affection to God. But the mode that we would most often do that was more reverent and devotional and kind of quiet and sort of like hush in church. And that meant that sometimes we actually divorced our affection from our expression, which we don't do in other relationships. I mean, when, we, when, when you tell somebody that you care about, your, your face, your body says what your mouth is saying, that you care, that you love, that you're excited, even, even small things when it's not with people. I was at lunch earlier this week, and there was a, some, some green salsa at this spot that I love that I was like, I was like dude, he, he was new. He hadn't been there. I'm like, man, you got to try this green. He tries the green. So he's like, wow. Like his, just without, he didn't need anybody to coach him on that. His, his body said and expressed what he was professing. Wow, that's good. Like, this is just how we're wired. But sometimes in church, we think it's okay. And man, this is, this is part of how I grew up. That sometimes <laughs> we sang victory in Jesus, but our body language looked defeated. We were singing, clap your hands, all you people, but nobody was clapping their hands. Like we, we had an environment where what we were professing was not what we were expressing. And here's what I want you to know. People of God, when, when newcomers show up, when people come around, they're not just going to pay attention to what you are professing. They're going to look at how you're expressing. Do you, do you really mean what you're singing? Do, do you really mean what you're saying? And, and, and just to get a little bit more real, the more I've worshiped alongside brothers and sisters from other streams of the kingdom, other, other, other parts of, of God's body in the church, and also those from other ethnicities or cultural backgrounds. It helps me to appreciate, oh, you know what? If I'm being honest, I think I grew up with kind of what I thought was like the right way to worship, but in my context, it was just the white way to worship. Can I just be real? Can I just be real? 
that around, around the throne of God, God wants every tribe, every tongue, in part, I believe, because the cultural expression brought by different brothers and sisters in different cultural backgrounds and with different ethnicities and different levels of melanin are gonna bring something different to God that is joyful and expressive and obedient to what God wants. God loves when we bring that to him. And if we wanna be a multi-ethnic church, Man, that's in our vision as a church. If we want to take steps towards that, we are going to have to unlearn some of the ways that the traditions of men taught us what worship is supposed to look like and actually come back to Scripture because Scripture is going to reach all people because it touches all cultures. So the psalmist says, What joy for those who can live in your house always singing your praises. Psalm 9 says, I will be glad and rejoice in you. I'll sing the praises of your name, O Most High. And as we do this, like, like we are invited to, this is what we're supposed to bring to God. And it says, I'll rejoice in you. That means God is actually the source of our joy. That means the, 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 the temperature of my life doesn't have, doesn't have to set the tone for how I worship God. The circumstances that I am in do not have to box me in for what I decide I'm going to bring that day, which is why there's places in the Psalms that go, why so downcast, oh my soul? I know I could give a long list, but the psalmist is going, why so downcast? Hope in God that when we look to him, God actually can produce, the Holy Spirit can produce a joy in us that transcends what we're going through. I'll give you a New Testament example. The Apostle Paul writes to the Thessalonian church and says in Thessalonians 1 that they received the gospel. When the gospel goes out, this message of God's saving work through Jesus Christ, which we believe, by the way, we believe that God came to earth, that God paid for our sins, that God was buried, that three days later God rose from the dead. And as we believe that there is a risen Savior and we declare this, there is a joy that comes because it tells us, man, there is a living God who has not given up on us and who loves us. As that gospel is declared, Paul says, you receive the message with joy given from the Holy Spirit despite the persecution you were facing. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of, oh, if you get baptized, you're going to get disowned. If you, if you decide to follow Jesus, nobody else is going with you. In the midst of that kind of persecution and pushback in that city, the Holy Spirit produced a joy. Man, if you're a follower of Jesus, I just, I just want to remind you something real quick. God's Spirit lives in you. One of the Spirit's fruits is joy. That means what I'm doing right now is not trying to guilt you into, by human effort, creating joy. What I'm asking you to do is to rely on the Holy Spirit to help you reflect on the gospel of salvation so that you have a joy that comes out of you as you worship the God who saved you. That's what we're invited to do. Now, I want to I just quickly address like a subtle, like a small pushback that I would anticipate. And it's partly driven by conversations I've had. And it's, it's folks who go, well, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a more reserved person, not a very emotional person. This, this, is, this is true for different folks. It's, it's been, in my experience, especially true with men in the church that I've spoken with. That, you know, some of it is kind of what they caught uh, growing up or their, their, their idea of church are also just like, man, this is, this is kind of outside my comfort zone. I'm like, okay. And I hear that in church. But then if I go to a game with them, I see something different. And I see that, how come, your, how come your comfort zone in the arena is so different than your comfort zone in God's presence? Help me, 
Help me understand. And here, here's, the, here's, the, 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 here's what I'll grant you for anybody who's going, dude, you're stepping on my toes right now. Here's what I'll grant you. I will grant you that it is safer and easier to get really worked up about something that doesn't matter that much. Because if you've given yourself to it and you're embarrassed later, it's like, well, it's no big deal. It's just a game. But it might actually cost you something or you might be risking something to have an abandonment for the Lord in a setting where you might be worried what other people think. Hebrews 13 invites the church to bring a sacrifice of praise. And just as your pastor subtly, I want you to hear, it may be that your sacrifice isn't just your time, isn't just your attention. Your sacrifice might be your comfort zone. To, 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 to shout for joy to the Lord. And as we're invited to do that, as we rejoice in God, I gotta, I gotta move on because we can make this the whole sermon. In, we got more mountains to climb. Here we go. In your presence, Psalm, Psalm 16 says, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. As we enter into God's presence in a special way, as he's enthroned in our praises, as we, as we turn our attention and focus to him, as joy is drawn out of us, we're led from the mountaintop called joyful to the mountaintop called peaceful. Now, the, 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 more, the more relaxed, reserved, maybe more sanguine personalities are like, finally. <laughs> it's okay. I see you. I love you. Not all mountaintop moments need to be loud or energetic. Some of them are more comforting and contented. If joyful moments come with shouts, peaceful moments come with rest. Look at what the rest is rooted in. In, in Psalm 100, the words that we read together, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. First, we have this acknowledge that the Lord is God. What does that mean? It means that it's too often I walk into church having constructed my life to focus on what can I do, what can I control, what can I focus on, which means sometimes I ignore the things that God controls, that God wants me to pay attention to. But through worship on the mountaintop of peaceful, that starts to reorient. And I start focusing more on God and his sovereignty, his control. I, I, I get less caught up in the things I'm supposed to control or worry about because I'm focused on him. And I realize Part of worship, foundationally, is a reminder. He's God, you're not. That's not to offend you, that should relieve you. Man, to, to live an exhausting life where we try and carry stuff on our shoulders everywhere that we go, and then we get to God and God's like, no, I, I see you, you're pretty worn out. Why don't you take a beat? Why don't you sit down? Why don't you rest? And the psalmist uses this metaphor that, that's throughout scripture, Jesus uses it as well, of, of sheep with a shepherd. Now we're his. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. He looked out on the, the crowds with compassion and said, all you who are weary and heavy laden, why don't you come to me and find rest? This is the invitation on the mountaintop of peaceful. Psalm 62 says, truly my soul finds rest in God. 
My salvation comes from him. Oh man, that's not just true for the pace of life that you and I often try to live. It's true for our salvation. That we get to look and see, oh man, I'm not called to try and save myself. In fact, I can't do it. No, we profess a gospel that says God did what only God could do to save you and me. And so in salvation, I'm not doing work. We don't do works-based salvation. We do grace-based salvation. We do cross-based salvation. We do resurrection-based salvation that's based on the work of God through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear yourself in that sentence? No. No, so truly we can, we can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. There is a peace offered by God. Jesus says, peace I give you. I don't give as the world gives. This is not just the idea of I need a vacation, though maybe you do. This isn't just the idea of I need a day off, though God gives us Sabbath and invites us into a rhythm of rest because we're more than just what we produce. This is a peace that passes understanding. A peace that can meet us in any season. We can go to that mountaintop even when we're walking through the valley because we realize he's God and I'm not. We gotta keep hiking. From the mountaintop of joyful to the mountaintop of peaceful, Psalm 100 takes us to the mountaintop of thankful. Now, being thankful is focused on what God has done. Meanwhile, being full of praise or adoration is more focused on who God is. So in thanksgiving, we're able to look at, God, what have you done? What have you provided? And thanks and praise go hand in hand throughout a lot of the Psalms. Happens here, Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with, say that word, thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And this, this is just a common theme, that we come with praise that says, God, I'm going to focus on who you are. But we also come with thanksgiving that's focused on, God, here's what you've done in my life. Here's how you've provided for me. And for, and for somebody who goes, man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm in a hard season where it's hard, hard to make a list of things I feel, I feel super thankful for right now. Man, I, I, I am sorry that that's the season you're in. At the same time, I believe God has even given you even the most basic things you can thank him for. Psalm, Psalm 3 says, I, 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 I fall asleep, I wake again because the Lord sustains me. So if you woke up alive today, you can say, thank you, God. He sustained us. He gives us the breath in our lungs. He's provided for us. Jesus asks us to pray for daily bread. And so if, if you're going to have a meal today, we can say, thank you, God. He is a provider. But on top of that, it's not just the things that he's given us. It's, it's really the story of redemption he's written in our lives. The testimonies that we can celebrate. Psalm 107 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Oh, man. 
Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Out of thanksgiving, I can't help but look at what God has done for me and go, I gotta tell somebody. I gotta tell somebody what he's done in my life. Is there anybody in this house who can say thank you for the story God's given you? Is there anybody who can say, God, you provided for me. My marriage was on the rocks. My finances were at the brink. The prodigal had run away. I didn't know what I was going to do when I got laid off. Like I, I, was, I was stuck in, in this cycle of shame or guilt or bad behavior. God, you got me out. You rescued me. You saw me. You provided for me. You restored me. You forgave me. You set me free. These are the stories of the redeemed. Man, I love getting to hear these stories in our church, stories of what God's done in so many different ways that make me go, thank you, God. Thank you for how you're at work among us. Every time that there is a baptism, as we, as we see people who go, man, I have put my faith in Jesus Christ. Those are moments where I go, you know what? I don't care how young that individual was. If they don't have the testimony that some of us go, well, that's, that's not quite as, as incredible as, as this other testimony of somebody with, with addiction or with some other baggage or with some other criminal record or whatever. You know what? Every single one of us are spiritually dead and then we're brought to life by Jesus Christ. That is the story of the redeemed for all of God's people, of what Jesus has done for us, in us, and through us. And so... Man, there's, there's different things we could say thank you for. There's so many. I want to give you one example of some brothers and sisters in Christ who are saying thank you to God on the other side of the world. A few months ago, we, uh, we decided as a church we were going to um, try and provide some relief for uh, Ukrainians who had fled to Poland. And we met some Ukrainian pastors uh, on, on a trip, figured out some ways that we could support them. And, and so as a church, we've We've uh, pledged and begun to give a $100,000 gift to different partnerships that are helping Ukrainian refugees. So here's something I gave thanks to God for just earlier, earlier this summer. We got, we got these photos, two vans that through your generosity, Hills Church, we got to purchase. We've been able to stock those vans with supplies that are being sent to war-torn areas in Ukraine by Ukrainian pastors who are partnered with us. And these, they sent back this message saying, we are thanking God for what he's done through the Hills Church. Man, can we, can we give thanks for that? Praise God. And you know what I love? It's, it's not... It's not the, for the, for the families who are receiving those, those medicine, uh, medicine supplies, those, those food, those groceries, all those different things, they're not saying thank you, God, for the Hills Church. They probably don't even know our name, and I like it that way. No, they're saying thank you, God. We, by God's grace, got to contribute to some of the story of the redeemed. Man, praise God for how he works in our lives so that we could say like Psalm 18, he led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. Part of thanksgiving is deciding to believe what God says he feels about you. We, we, on the mountaintop called joyful, there were some things we might, we might need to unlearn. On the mountaintop of thankful, I wanna name a lie right now. Pay attention, I'm, I'm about to say a lie. God tolerates you. Somebody needs to know that is a lie from the enemy. That is not a reflection of the Father's heart towards you. God doesn't tolerate you. 
God doesn't put up with you. God doesn't roll his heavenly eyes every time you screw up and go, fine, I guess I'll forgive them again. That's not our God. God loves you. He delights in you. He cares for you. He made you. He knows you. And he wants you to find real life with him. That's how God looks at the people that he's made, to invite them into real life with him, which means will we believe that he really loves and cares for us, that he delights in us? Some of you, maybe today for the first time or the first time in a long time, you need to receive the love and approval of God. And you're going, man, there's, there's, there's so many things that I've done. Well, that's why Jesus went to the cross, to pay for your sins, to cover you with his righteousness so that you could know, and you belong, daughter. You belong, son. You have your father's delight and approval. And so in, in the psalm, we see joy, thanksgiving, peace, all of these things, we're not just meant to be joyful, thankful, peaceful, but throughout the Psalter, we see we're meant to be full of praise. I mean, Psalm 100 just given us a snapshot. I wish, I wish we had time to go through the rest of the mountain range of the highs. But a snapshot just can't cover everything. I mean, if only we had time for the confidence and boasting of Psalm 27 that says, the Lord is my light and salvation, whom shall I fear? Oh, if God's with me, who's coming against me? Or the lofty worship of Psalm 93 that doesn't even mention humanity, but just looks at God on his throne as the one who is high and mighty. Or the pure blessing of Psalm 133 that's just like, man, it's just good to be together with the people of God in unity. Oh, it's like, it's like oil on Aaron's beard. That metaphor is so weird, but it still makes me smile. It's just good to be together. And we would need, we wouldn't make it to lunch. We'd be late for dinner if we walked through Psalm 119 that uses every letter of the Hebrew alphabet for a section on devotion to God's word. Like we don't have time for the full mountain range. But from the shortest psalm to the longest psalm, the peaceful poems, the amped up praise, intimate verses, anthemic refrains, the psalms reach to the heights of heaven, giving glory to God from a people who are joyful, peaceful, thankful because they have tasted and seen some of the goodness of God. How worthy he is of our praise. So the psalmist says, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Oh man, I wish we had time for the survey of the ways that the earth is invited to join in praise. Because the higher our perspective goes of who God is and his worthiness to be praised, the more that we realize, oh man, everything, everywhere is meant to praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. But for time, here's one quick example. Psalm 8 says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Man, maybe, maybe that brings to mind for you being able to go out somewhere away from the, the city lights and instead just be able to look up and see God's lights up in the sky. Or maybe, maybe you saw how this month NASA shared the first images taken with the James Webb Space Telescope. They're pretty incredible. Look at this. Psalm 19, 
says the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Psalm 147 says the Lord determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Psalm 136 says, give thanks to the Lord of lords who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, the moon and stars to govern the night. His love endures forever, forever. Oh, this is the God that we praise and worship. This is the God we meet in the mountaintop moments of of declaring his wonders and his power and his might. So as we finish today, I I just want us to read one more whole chapter of a psalm. Get your lungs ready. You don't have to stand for this one, but it might, might require a little bit of stamina, okay? Psalm 117, here we go. Let's read these words. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. And that next verse, oh, I'm just kidding. Psalm Psalm 117 is two verses long. It's like the espresso shot of phrase in the Psalms. So for those of you who go, man, how, how long is this praise stuff? Man, it can be quick. It can be quick moments where you just see something, you go, praise God. Where you experience something, you go, thank you, God. Where you take a moment and feel the peace of God, that he's the one in charge. Man, this is what what we were made for. When we worship like this, it's not just that we're being obedient to the commands of God and scripture. It's not just that we are giving God what he is due. It's also that you are living into who God made you to be. God made you to be a worshiper who enjoys his presence, who lifts up his name, and who, and who says, oh man, let the redeemed of the Lord say, God loved me, God came to earth to save me, Jesus died for me, Jesus was buried in the tomb I should have been in, Jesus rose by the power of the Spirit, Jesus is ascended to the right hand of the Father, Jesus has, has, has put his Spirit inside of me. Man, out of all of this, when I look at the mount called Calvary, it sends me to all the other mountains. Where I can go, oh man, I'm so joyful because I've been saved, I'm relieved, I'm so, I'm so thankful because of what God has done for me and I am so at peace because I see how God has done what I never could. So I wanna pray and then we're gonna praise as an offering back to God. And you, I don't know which mountaintop you might be on when you worship with God this morning, but as we do this, man, there's also an opportunity For anybody who has yet to put their faith in Jesus, this is available to you. This is available to you because of what God has done for you. Let's pray. God, I thank you. We thank you and we praise you. You are worthy of praise. You are all-powerful, almighty. You are holy and sovereign and faithful and true and good. And God, you are full of mercy. Oh, the stories that could be told of your faithfulness, of your deliverance, of your compassion on us. We say thank you, God. And through Jesus, you've brought us peace 
because of his saving work. We get to live from that and worship because of it. We love you, Jesus. May you be glorified in our praise. Amen.